In this episode of The Interface, I talk with Kurt Wickham, Director of Marketing and Product Engineering for Amphenol Printed Circuits in Nashua, New Hampshire. Kurt has been with Amphenol for 19 years, and we briefly talk about the coronavirus pandemic and its effect on APC's business. We talk about what a printed circuit board actually is, how they're designed and manufactured, and the challenges to building them. We talk about the unique manufacturing capabilities that allow Amphenol printed circuits to do so well in the industry. We talk about the ever-changing technology improvements in printed circuit boards that place a premium on his team to be at the forefront of design. And finally, we talk about working with fellow Amphenol divisions to bring turnkey solutions to the market that no other interconnect manufacturer can match. This is The Interface. So as we now are, I guess, in the full throes of of coronavirus, and not that I want to make it all about the coronavirus and its effects, not only on Amphenol, but the country and the world, um, just real quick, how much has it affected you guys at APC, if at all? To date, it hasn't affected us that much. Um, A lot of our product and and materials that we buy is more domestic than it is foreign, Mm -hmm. um, or the inventories have been sufficient. We haven't seen a significant impact, but the last 24 hours, uh, I'm starting to wonder how far this is going to go. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a good point. I mean, so much is it really yesterday and we were, we're recording this on the 12th of March and, and yesterday the 311, um, you know, was really, I think, the first day where it really hit home, uh, uh, at least in this country, about the severity of this. So um, I think everyone now uh, in every walk of life in this country is probably questioning, okay, what should we do and what should we not do? So, um, yeah, yeah, 311 yeah. Has, has almost become 911. It's yeah. not the same, you know, heinous attack, but. I mean, yesterday morning when we woke up, we had an NBA schedule. Right. Right. Like March Madness. Uh, I could fly to Europe in a week if I chose to. Right. I can't. I can do that, but I can't come back. So yeah. it, it's absolutely, it, it's a significant shift, and and that happened within a period of about five hours last night. Yeah. So, you know, who knows what today brings? We open the day and the market's down another two thousand points, and and it's a reaction of what happened in the last twenty four hours. It's going to be a waterfall effect until. We have some level of stability. Yeah, I know, and, and we could probably talk about this forever, but just to keep it to the here and now with regards to Amphenol, and specifically Amphenol Printed Circuits, where you are in Nashua, New Hampshire, not much has changed yet, but that could change at literally any minute, any hour, any day. Um, so again, we could go off on this for, for quite a long time, but I think the news programs and the internet does a good enough job of, of covering all that stuff. I don't think we need to cover it as well. So we'll just stick to you and, and to APC. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay, good. So you work for Amphenol Printed Circuits. Pretend for a second that... Um, although I do know, I have no idea what Amphenol Printed Circuits does. Explain to me what they do, what you guys do. So Amphenol Printed Circuits, we manufacture, uh, quite simply, we manufacture printed circuit boards and assemblies. We make backplanes, rigid flex, flex products. What we, I think one of the things that separates us is we have the ability and resources, we can take your net list 
and we can do the entire design, including identifying components for you, or if you have components, or if you have mechanical electrical requirements, we can take that package and give you a full turnkey solution. Um, we, we have the ability to do very large boards, very high technology boards. Some of the boards that we make are well over 70 layers. Uh, we have boards that are the size of, if you think about it, coffee tables. They're 24 by 54. Conversely, we have other products where on an 18 by 24 panel, we have 500 up. They're these tiny circuits less than the size of a dime. So we have a great range of products that we make and a great number of services that we do. And you mainly focus on the military and aerospace market, but not exclusively, correct? Well, we, we, we focus on our main focus and our main customer base is the military and aerospace, but we mainly focus on technology. Okay. And so part of that is uh, we support the commercial world for high speed. I think we are one of the only companies in the world that has a patented process where we can make boards that meet 56 gigabits per second chip to chip. And we have some commercial customers, especially on some of these high-end routers who need that type of performance. And we help develop materials and help support that market. Um, you know, as it gets more competitive and more further down the stream, uh, we, we don't have a model where we compete very well with some of our, you know, Asia competitors, but we are able to take that technology and continue to grow that to provide value in that market, that is a smaller percentage of our business. Do you have the same um, issues that, you know, I've talked to a lot of different people now um, that come from the commercial side of the business and then the military side of the business. You still, I'm assuming you have the same um, issues with regards to design, cycle time. Um, from design to completion for military projects versus commercial projects? Uh, they're, they're a little bit different, I'll say, in that from a commercial world standpoint, our participation is we pretty much make the board. We do not do the assembly that's done either through other Amphenol groups or through other contract manufacturers. Okay. So the pressure on us is to complete the board, which is a much simpler process. So the lead time expectations are for, you know, quick turn or, or rapid prototype anywhere from, you know, three to six weeks. Um, from a military standpoint, I would say that from development time, there are some pressures to get things done. But typically with the materials that we're using, they're not as standard. So a lot of them are custom built. So there's custom engineering work that's done. From a board, from a military standpoint, you know, that might change to four to six weeks is considered a quick turn. This, this is going to be a very simple but maybe extremely complex question, all right? What, how do you build a printed circuit board? How do you do that? So, Without being was, able to diagram it, unfortunately, on an audio podcast, but just a very simplistic question. Like, how do you do that? How do you do it? So if, if you think about, a, I'll say, a traditional wiring harness, if you take two connectors and you're going to put wires from pin one to pin one and go straight across, that's a very simple circuit board. You can basically take a small sheet of copper, about one mil thick, one, one and a half mil thick, basically half the thickness of a human hair, and you can 
image a pattern on that to act as a protectant, and then you can etch away all the excess copper. And what you're left with is, is these little traces that are probably five mils wide and one mil thick, and that, that carries your electrical signal from connector to connector. What the true difficulty in a circuit board is, is many times you don't have, you know, 10 wires, or you, instead of having 10 wires, you have 3,000 wires going to multiple connectors. And if you think about a wiring harness, every time they cross, you can't do that on one piece of copper. So mm -hmm. you have to basically translate that to a different layer. And we do that through plated through holes where we basically create a pad, drill through those pads, plate that so I can connect a trace that stops on layer four and bring it down to layer 40 mm. through that plated through hole and then finish its routing where, because every time it crosses a different wire that would create a short. So it's, it's basically a series of sheets of copper that we have patterns, the traces that run, and any time that we have to terminate them to a connection or what we call a via to, to make a path for it to avoid this trace, go directly down multiple layers and terminate on a different level, th those are plated through holes. Very, I don't know if I've explained it well or not. No, 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 you have. Um, so it's, I mean, this is not something that you could just, obviously, I, I know I'm, I'm probably making this sound very, like I really don't know what I'm talking about, and I kind of don't. <laughs> I, you know, I've always been kind of fascinated. It's like one of those things where you see cir printed circuit boards. You know, I've seen them all my life. Every, all of us, you know, of, of roughly our age have, you know, in any sort of electronics that we've had and anything like that. I'm a pretty curious guy, but I've never really like sat back and said, well, how the heck does this actually work? And how is this built? You know, and, and I've been to your factory a number of times. I'm always fascinated as I go through there to see how these things are actually designed and, and manufactured and put together. But when I stop and think about it just from like, just like, man, it's it's amazing how how these things are built. And I know it's like, yeah, well, no duh, Chris, we've been doing that for, you know, 50, 60 years with these things. However, I still think it's fascinating. The same thing with flex technology, with flex circuits, um, you know, the similar similar type of, of fascination with that as well. But just taking those printed circuit boards and, and flex circuits, and you're talking about the, the intricacy with which to design these and put these together, what are some of the really difficult parts in doing that? Is it more at the design stage? Is it at the manufacturing stage? Is it both? And then what does APC have that helps you overcome those challenges? Well, I think that one thing that really helps us is you know, there, there are software suites out there that you can use to design a board, and, and they're really good. They have a lot of intelligence to them. Um, what you tend to get out of that, though, is you get a design that may or may not be manufacturable. Mm -hmm. So by combining both under one roof, we are able to take what we have for process guidelines and process capabilities and use that to, I'll say, influence the design to make it so that we can design something that we know we're going to be able to execute in production. I guess a quick way to look at that is, you know, I can have a piece of software that says I want to have a min spacing on my final artwork of four mils. And I program that in. And I know that that's going to be four mils from an adjacent feature. And I just do that. So basically if I have 12 mils of space, it's going to say I can butt this up to four mils. 
I know in process for these copper weights, I have to apply an etch tolerance or I have to apply, you know, based on the number of laminations it's going to see this much more to the annular ring. I can create those pads bigger or those lines differently or increase my spacing to more center it so I'm more process friendly. A lot of designs that come into us from you know, OEMs or third parties, mm-hmm. we have to go back and say, here are the violations that we have. We run it through our database to compare it against our manufacturing guidelines and ERF tables. Mm-hmm. We then go back and say, here are the changes that we want to make. A lot of people come to us for the design work because I have a standing rule with my design team that if they design something I can't build, we, we have to, you know, <laughs> have some serious conversations. Um, <laughs> but it, it's the, the challenges that we have are every day, every year, there are new materials introduced. The materials have different properties. Some yeah. of them move more than others. Some of them have. You know, they grow and shrink with humidity. They, they, they drill different. They route different. So we have to keep updating all of our process tables and all of our design tables to incorporate these new designs as they come out. So you're talking about, so materials change that often that you really have to be aware of how it affects your manufacturability of these? Yeah, I, I mean, a, a great example is about, I'll say, 10 years ago, the commercial world typically deals with, I'll say, faster boards than the traditional military world. Mm-hmm. And they went from 14 gigabits per second to 28 to 56. The way that you get there is through material properties. Copper itself, if you could put copper in air, you would have a great high-speed interconnect. You always have to laminate some type of an epoxy or a resin system, and those those materials have properties that hurt your signal speed. So there's been a lot of development for, you know, materials like Meg 6 Isola has some, uh, other companies have them, very, very low DKDF factors. So you can get higher and higher speeds. They have good and bad properties. Um, you know, epoxies and polyimids are what the, I'll say, traditional boards that are under 10 gigabits per second are built with, and they have set parameters. When you start getting into some of the higher end RF, you're starting to deal with Teflons. I mean, Teflon's great material from electrical performance, but it's difficult to drill and it's difficult to laminate. You know, Teflon doesn't want to stick to anything. So it presents challenges in process. Those materials, it's not every day that they come out, but I would say that the development life continues to get half the life of the previous product line before it. Well, I guess it makes sense if you're talking about a speed, the the speed factor and the and the need for more speed constantly, um, and that you have limitations with the materials that, I guess, let's see if I'm reading you right or if I'm uh, interpreting what you're saying right with the that surrounds the copper, uh, that's largely important in how fast you can get these boards to trans transfer speed or transmit speed right. or whatever. Yeah. I, mean, t- ten, I did it. I don't believe ago, it. <laughs> t- ten years ago, think about the cell phone that you had. You probably right. had a flip phone that didn't have any video capability. Right. Uh, you had to punch 38 numbers to get one text done. Yeah. So it, it's because the infrastructure didn't really support it. So as the demand for video and, and the iPhone and all of the other phones and you know the, the on-demand video world, we've gone from, 
I don't know, whatever G it was, to 3G, to Mm -hmm. 4G, to 5G. Those are all iterations that have occurred because the technology that supports that infrastructure have been able to make breakthroughs right to provide that at a reasonable cost yes uh the so, good caveat at the end there the reasonable cost oh yeah I mean, you can make the most perfect system in the world but if it really if you can't provide any value on it that's right. a problem i mean when you break it down what apc does i think what apc does uh as well as anybody is is we provide value uh Customers come in and it's nice for them to walk in and say, here's my net list. Here's my connector list. I want to turn key product. And we're able to take that and use our experience and our knowledge and our past relationships. So we understand exactly what they're asking for mm-hmm. and provide them with something that it, it's, it's great value. I mean, their engineering costs are probably considerably higher than mine. Their design costs are probably considerably higher. So mm-hmm. we, we're able to offer them a package deal, but if you take all the individual components, um, it might not be a total value package, but as we bundle it and ship it as a turnkey solution, it's a value package. What are some of the, if we just strictly uh, stick to manufacturing for a second, what are some of the unique manufacturing capabilities that you guys have there? Because we've talked a lot about design uh, and materials and stuff, but strictly manufacturing that you think makes you guys unique? Is it it's certain processes or is it a, a combination or some of all these processes? What is it that you really like to, to brag about when it comes to Amphenol printed circuits manufacturing capabilities? For speed applications, we have some patented processes that allow us to make a product called ultra speed where we are able to get a higher level of performance higher speeds at a lower loss factor on the same material than our competitive base. It's something that we've developed. So for an example, we're able to take a material like a Meg 7 and, and we're able to demonstrate 56 gigabits per second for our ultra speed process. Other people are below that mm-hmm. on the base material. So we're able to take the given materials that we have and perform higher We've also done some tremendous work with back drill capabilities. Back drill is, if you think about a really thick board and you're doing these vias to get a signal from layer two to layer seven, you have to drill all the way through the board and create a a via that's the fold. So if I have 70 layers, it goes from layer one to layer 70. Mm -hmm. What back drill allows you to do is go back after you've created that via from layer 70 and drill up through layer eight but not cut layer seven. So you don't have a stub there. Mm. And what the stub does is the stub basically distorts the signal. So by eliminating that, Mm. you get better performance. We have tremendous back drill capability. We've done a lot of work with incorporating new equipment, uh, implementing new processes and new tools so that we can get, I think, world-class back drill performance. We can make large boards, 24 by 54, 36 by 42. Those aren't as uh, in high demand as they have been, but it's something that we support and we do see on new applications. We also invest heavily uh, in capital equipment to make sure that as the industry goes to micro vias and blind and buried vias, filled vias, all of the things that help increase the density on a board. We have teams that look at what the market's looking to do. We do 
exercises called voice a customer where we sit down with our customers and understand what their requirements are now and what they think that they're going to be in the future. And we use those as templates to understand where we need to invest in our business. So that's so, a that's a good segue because one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, just in general, just broad strokes, where you see the next generation of printed circuit technologies, you know, both from the, the board side and the flex side, where do you see that evolving over the next couple of years? What we've seen is, you know, 10 years ago, if you asked me what a backplane was, I would say a backplane is a big, thick, ugly board with a <laughs> bunch of connectors, IO connectors that are press fit or soldered in. Right. Um, a backplane today might not be 24 by 54, but they could be as big as 24 by 42, 24 by 36, somewhere in that range. And instead of having just, I'll say your standard connectors, they're now working on higher density connectors. So you're actually, if you think of it per square inch, you actually have more contacts, which creates some manufacturing issues. Mm -hmm. And they're also starting to incorporate some components that are traditionally part of data cards, you know, BGAs and ICs, those are being built directly into the backplane nowadays. I see. So it's, it's the backplanes have become more of a hybrid circuit board with discrete and smart components as opposed to just a, you know, it's, it's a wiring board that here's my inputs, here's my outputs, no real data happens in between that. So it brings up a question then for, for people who may not know, Again, I'm probably speaking for myself. Um, where do these things get used and, and how are they used? In what types of applications is something like a backplane or some of the, the, the more regularly built printed circuit boards that you guys manufacture, where, where are they used and how are they used? Uh, a, a great example is avionics packages. From a military standpoint, we're on a number of platforms where it's part of the base antenna. Uh, in some cases, we actually manufacture the array, which sends the beam out and measures the reflectance coming back. There are backplanes that feed into the power supply for the system. Mm -hmm. When you think about any type of a mobile aircraft or you know a military aircraft or even a commercial aircraft, you're talking about managing significant amounts of power. And, and how do you deliver that and channel it while still maintaining certain temperature rates and certain voltages? Uh, they're used in military defense systems. Anything that that takes a that has an active radar probably has at least some form of a backplane or midplane. It, it basically, it, if you think about my previous wiring comment, mm -hmm. it's a way to take. If, if you think about a system that's going to have anywhere from, I think the highest number of nets we've done in a backplane is probably fifty or eighty thousand. So it replaces fifty or eighty thousand wires. Yeah, wow, it's fascinating. It's incredibly complex and, and vital to these systems, for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and the beauty of going to circuit boards over wiring is it's a lot more predictable. So if you start to think about when you start talking signal speeds, you'll have match speeds for a signal and a return. And part of this is if you're delivering multiple inputs to one device to help translate what that is, Everything has to get there at about the same time. If you think of a video that's typically on a 75 ohm impedance type design, if you don't match the 75 ohms, it's like the old days when your television used to, you know, scroll up and down and you had to kind of wave your hands to see the picture. Yeah, yeah. So from a, from a, if you think of it from a discrete wiring standpoint, someone has to cut that wire, solder that wire, put everything in place, 
you could be off by a tenth of an inch. Mm -hmm. I can design a board that I'll be within one mil. Oof. Yeah. So as you get faster and faster, there is no mismatch. And as you get faster and faster, the mismatch matters. Yeah, it's endlessly fascinating. Um, I love this stuff. It's I, I enjoy you explaining this to me. Um, and I think I think other people who listen to this will as well. So I know just to, to, to transition a little bit, I know you guys work closely with uh, Amphenol Invotech, which is in the UK, that also does similar types of products and has similar types of capabilities as you guys. Can you tell me a little bit about them and, and what your relationship is like between APC and Invotech? Sure. Um, I mean, they we do a lot of military work. They are a UK entity. One of the things that we did is we set up a manufacturing license with the State Department. So we actually, if customers give us permission, we can act as the vehicle to transfer prints and things back and forth. Invotech to me is amazing with their quick turn capabilities. Mm. For simple things or, or rigid flexes that, or that would take us, you know, seven to 10 weeks to deliver, they're able to drive product in two weeks. So wow. we've actually been working together to sit down and understand how can I deliver this to my customers here, which was the need for MLA. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our customer base, you know, as, as they scour trying to get these quick turns, they're actually very impressed with what Invitech can do with the quality and the, you know, technology incorporated in these boards and how quick they can deliver. So we've been working with them to understand what makes them successful at quick turn. The differences are probably panel size. Uh, they don't okay. get quite as big of a panel as us. Right. And they don't do any real value add, add on assembly work. So it's just strictly the board or the rigid flex or whatever. Right. So we, we've had success working with them and helping them develop a path to if if a customer needs parts in X number of days, mm -hmm. we can help broker that more or less, you know, through our license. Also, we've we've taken advantage of it and taken their parts on quick turn and done a quick assembly to deliver a quick turn assembled parts. So the benefit to our customers is in the past where I would have said that's going to be 12 weeks, uh, three weeks later, they have parts in their hands. So how that's about been very good. No, that that's great. So how about the the Amphenol relationship as a whole then for you um, as far as dealing with other divisions and their products and being able to offer a broader solution to your customers? Uh, how much has that helped you guys over the years? Oh, trem tremendously. I Without without being part of Amphenol, I'm not sure we would be able to be the business that we are today. Mm hmm. I always say that when we go into customers, whether it's a new design, an old design, an upgrade, there's really not a connector company in the world that can bring in as much circuit board technology as Amphenol can, because they can bring us and Invotech and anybody else in. Mm -hmm. By the same token, there's not another circuit board company out there that can have connector people come in right. and talk about how they can enhance the signs. Right. And, and, you know, and when you talk to our sales force, uh, a lot of them have really embraced what it offers and we're i mean i think next week I, it was going to be a visit but now it's a conference call we're going to sit down with another group of amphenol sv micro and we're going to get on the phone with a customer to talk about a specific application that needs a specific connector yeah to meet with a specific board we're able to go in and say a lot of times if you're a customer if i buy the connector i buy the board 
I either integrate it myself or I pay someone to, if I don't get the launch I want, or if I don't get the speed performance I want, I go back and this vendor points at that vendor, this vendor points at that vendor, by providing an Amphenol solution, they they know that I can't point fingers at anybody. Sure. Or the other people can't, right? It's, it's our problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And that provides something I think that's not really, it's difficult to find in the industry. I'll leave it like that. No, yeah, no, that's, that, I, I think people can, can deduce from what you're saying, what you actually mean. Um, yeah. And, and, and um, you know, we hear the same types of stories from other Amphenol divisions as well. You know, we are like, we call ourselves sister divisions oftentimes, and like brothers and sisters and siblings, we, you know, we may argue and fight sometimes, but we all love one another. And when push comes to shove, we always try to do our best to help one another out. And, and I think that's certainly the case with you and, and your relationships with the sister divisions. Um, well, I, th- I think that what works better at Amphenol than I'll, I'll say any place else I've ever worked. Mm-hmm is we are as vertically integrated as our customers want us to be. And we can be vertically integrated when it's a benefit to all of us or we need to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. By the same token, because we're standalone businesses, we're able to run our businesses a little bit separate of that relationship. Right. You know, if, if I want to invest money in Amphenol printed circuits and I go to Luke Walter, our VP and say, here's a piece of capital I want to buy to support this part of the business. If you're too vertically integrated, they'll come back and say, you know, we're investing in, you know, RF technology this year. That doesn't quite meet that. And that kind of hurts your growth and hurts what you can do to support your customers. Mm-hmm. At Amphenol, it's more looked at as for this discrete business, this is a good decision. We'll invest in it. Right. Right. And that carries through every level of the business. I can't call up AAO and my contacts and say, hey, I really need you to make me this one connector. Unless there's a compelling reason to do it. Right. Right. right? Sure. But, but the nice part of it is, is being part of the Amphenol family. I think the benefit that you get is I know who to call to help make that decision. Right. Right. And I think that's in any business. That's the key. Yes, it's it's so, um, it's invaluable for sure. Yeah, and it's a published phone list, so it's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, listen, um, I I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about Amphenol printed circuits, about printed circuit board technology. Um, some of the stuff, like I said, I knew. Admittedly, some of it I don't know, and I'm fascinated by the technology. I mean, I know we're in a unique time right now, too, with all of this coronavirus and COVID-19 a pandemic that's going on around the world. But I, I hope that you and everyone at APC um, and your families um, stay safe here over the next few weeks and few months, and, and best of luck to you guys. Uh, same to you, same to you, Chris. Uh, again, we've worked together for a long time. I hope everything yeah. in Sydney goes well, and I thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks again, Kurt. I appreciate it. Thank you.